You'll also find in your program this little note card my beautiful wife mentioned a moment ago that this little business card, little scripture verse, I want you to memorize this this week. Put it in the visor of your car. Get this in your heart. It's a powerful idea. In fact, I've become convinced that I need to come and preach through the entire book of Ephesians verse by verse this summer just because it's so powerful, these verses we're reading. But, uh, but for now, I hope to highlight at great speed one of the most powerful ideas that changed my life a long time ago and will really help unlock this idea, the second purpose for which you're created. So if you'll just stand with me, we're going to read this together. One more time, for the honoring of God's word, it's God who wants to speak to you today, not me. And uh, let's look at these powerful verses. I'm going to interpret and explain as we go along. You can follow along with me on the screen. Paul writes, inspired by the Holy Spirit, don't forget you used to be outsiders. You didn't belong. You've been called godless heathens before by by, uh, people who are very proud of their religious heritage, their bloodlines. Even though their religion only affected their image, didn't really affect their hearts. That's what he's talking about in that first verse. In those days, yeah, you were living apart from Christ. You didn't know him. You were excluded from belonging to the people. God's family, Israel, you didn't know what the great promises were that God made to them. You lived in this world without God. You lived without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united the insiders and the outsiders into one people, Jews and Gentiles, when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. This is where the beautiful idea, the brilliant, amazing idea begins to appear. God took people that were at at war with one another, hostile for, for, for centuries. And he says, uh, I have ended this system. I have, that Christ has brought peace to both people through his own body on the cross. He broke down the walls of hostility. He did this by ending the system of the law with its commandments, its rules, its regulations. He made peace between outsiders and insiders by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of of his death on the cross and our hostility towards one another was put to an end he brought this good news of peace to outsiders who were far away and to insiders who were near now all of us can come to the father through the same holy spirit because of what christ has done for us look at this last verse so now you gentiles you outsiders are no longer strangers and foreigners You belong. You are citizens with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. That is an incredible idea. And I put this together with Galatians, the third chapter. Paul says the same idea to a slightly different culture of people, but it's the same magnificent dream. He says, there is neither now neither Jew nor Greek. That's the absence of racism. There is neither slave nor free, the absence of classism. There is neither male nor female. There's no gender gaps any longer, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? Isn't that amazing? This is the idea that God has, that he's going to break down every division 
every wall, every disparity, that there is equal access, no matter who you are, where you're from, what you look like. All of these external dividers are gone because he's creating something new. And I want to talk about that great, brilliant idea today. Let's pray together. God, do something only you can do. Get past our our barriers and speak to our hearts, speak to our souls today. Give us the faith to act and believe on the very word that we hear from you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. At what age does a person first realize that they don't belong? When was the first time that you had that realization that there was definitely an inside group and you were not part of it? That there were people who were on the inside and you did not belong? My first encounter with uh, that situation occurred in the seventh grade when uh, we moved from the beautiful islands of the West Indies, the Caribbean, to the frozen plains of Western Canada, the prairies of Saskatchewan. Talk about a contrast. The people there spoke English, but I did not understand them, and they did not understand me. I was very different. I didn't relate. This was a blue-collar community of ice hockey and isolation, and, and uh, I did not, uh, I couldn't skate. I didn't know what curling was. There were all kinds of uh, foods and things that I didn't understand and I didn't get. It was a very, at seventh grade, you could imagine a very awkward and painful year because in that stage of life, you're just longing for connection. Now, all of us know what it feels like to be excluded and to be left out or to be forced out or pushed out at different times in our life. I wonder how many people have felt that way as they have pursued uh, knowing God or if there is a God, how can I know him and began to take their first steps towards God and encountered the church. I wonder how many people, people have ever felt excluded, uh, been made to feel like they were an outsider and they didn't belong. Funny story, when I was uh, growing uh, up, we, we, our, our, we were first married, we had really little kids, and we were on vacation in Florida. The hotel we were staying at, there was a tiny little church going by, we decided to go to this church on a Sunday. As we approached the church, there were no signs that told us where to go or what doors to enter, but we entered the only door we saw available. Turned out it was the door that opened right onto the stage from the outside. The church was already going, and we just kind of walked in with our kids and kind of interrupted the service, and it was very awkward. And of course, they had never had visitors there for a long time, and this was a very small little church, and they were so excited. They came running up, and visitors, and they put this little... They put this little fuzzy thing on our shoulder, this little weeble fuzzy thing, and I'm like, what's that? And they're like, it's a surprise, don't worry. And I'm like, great. And of course, a few minutes later, they sang a hymn, and you know, the song was about, we are, these are our friends, and will all of our visitors stand up? Well, we were the only ones, so we stood up, and everybody looked at us, and then each one came to us during the song and hugged us and said, we just wanted to give you a warm fuzzy, which explained the weeble on our shoulder. You know, and I'm sure their intentions uh, were great. But boy, did we ever feel like we do not belong. You know, it's amazing how in life that there, there are things that people do that they're, they exclude unconsciously. They didn't mean to do that, but you've been in those situations where they didn't mean to, but you knew that you were excluded. Or maybe it was conscious exclusion. I mean, there are all kinds of people in the church that have made it their business to, to decide who's in and who's out. You know what I'm talking about? Race exclusion that whether said or not, if you're not white, you're not welcome, that message. Um, you know, I saw a bumper sticker uh, on a car with a plate from Michigan that said, if you ain't Dutch, you ain't much. 
um, lots of ways that we can exclude people. How about um, class exclusion? That you're welcome here if you're not too poor. You're, you're welcome here as long as you're not too rich. It's not spoken, but we feel the message. How about the exclusion based on spiritual qualification? That as long as you haven't messed up too badly, you're allowed to come. As long as you haven't crossed certain lines, and we all have experienced the lists that people create of what is an unpardonable sin or not, what excludes, what makes you an insider or an outsider. Now, all of us have experienced these things at different times in our life, and maybe we've done them towards others. But the brilliance of what Paul is saying is God has come with an idea to destroy all of that. That God came with an idea that was bigger than any outside uh, segregation. That God says, I want to create something new. And long before you ever realized it, well, yeah, you were an outsider. You didn't even know. You weren't aware of what God was trying to do. That, That God knew you before you were born. You remember last week, the first purpose of our lives was that God just made us to love us, that he created us to be part uh, of, of his family. He, he wanted us to be his child, his beloved, his precious son or his daughter. And God said, long before you knew that, I loved you. Long before you were aware of my love, I was forming you and shaping you and preparing you. I didn't love you any less. I can't love you anymore because I have loved you with an everlasting love. And long before you realized your own lack or your shortcomings and measuring up to the standard of a holy God, I sent my son and he broke down the barriers and with the purchase of of his own blood, he made a way that there would be now total access for every person, whether you were rich or poor, whether you were Jew or Gentile, whether you were, uh, you know, a woman or a man, that every person now had total access, equal, without distinction, an equal way to come and to experience the grace of God and the anointing of God's Holy Spirit. What an incredible idea. I mean, that sounds radical to us yet today. Imagine in the day when this was first presented, that there is nothing that will stop anyone from coming. It was a brilliant idea. It's an amazing idea. God's saying, I want to create and call you out of your normal culture, and I'm creating a new culture without distinction, a totally new culture without distinction, where every person will be connected at a soul level, that there will be something about their identity as my child that will be the connector, regardless of race or class or gender. This is an incredible idea, that, that, that there is an equity in your soul. There is worth in your soul that is so great that it, is far, it far exceeds the shell, the temporary, the body, the color of your hair, the pigmentation of your skin, the, the, the accent of your voice, the religious background you came from. God says, none of those things will last, but you will because you were made to last forever. And so the second purpose of your life, write this down, is God says, I formed you, and I made you, and I never want you to feel like an outsider ever again. I didn't make you and call you to be my child so you would be an orphan and you would be excluded. I formed you for my family, and that family is called the church, the church of of the living God. God wants you to be a part of his family. And so this is the place in this family is where you're going to experience My unconditional love. You've heard about it, but I want you to experience in this new family that is not defined by culture or creed or or human uh, exclusions. In this culture, you're going to experience 
how wide, how all-inclusive the love of God really is. In this culture, you're going to experience how, how long it is, this love that will last forever, this love that is high enough to overlook all faults and sins, a love that's deep enough to walk into the darkest situations. I want you to experience that love. Well, where would you ever experience that? Out in the world? In business? In a school? God says, I've got to create something new where you will experience. Are you tracking with me this morning? God says, I've got to create a new culture. I can go, I can switch to something easier if we want. This is a hard thought, but I, okay, thank you. I want you to experience this, 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 this culture that, that transcends the cultures and the situations and the backgrounds that you came from. That's why we read it last week. We just skimmed over it. But look at the intention of God. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. The unchanging plan, his unchanging plan, has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. You're called to belong. He wants you included in his family, the church. He wrote to a young pastor named Timothy who pastored this church at Ephesus to which he was writing. He wrote to the pastor and he says, I'm writing to you, Timothy, so that you will know how to live in the family of God. That that family, tell the people that the family, the real family is the church of the living God, the support and the foundation of the truth. And so write this down. The second calling of my life, I am called, God calls you to belong to his family. And that's a choice that you're going to make. Something that you need to respond to. Now, he calls you to belong to his family, the church. But that Greek word for church means something different than our word for church. If I were to ask you what church means, you would say, well, it's a building. It's a place that I go. It is a location. But this word church, where we get the word church from, is a Greek word that means the called out ones or the one who are called out of something else, out of a, out of a former culture. I called you out of your nationalities. I called you out of all tribes and nations and tongues, and I'm creating something new. And I'm asking you to leave that behind and to come and be called, be a part of, whether you're American or British or African or whatever your nationality is, I'm calling you to become something new. And so the church is, is the family of the called or the gathering of the called. It's not real estate, it's a relationship. That's why Paul said in Romans, uh, you are among those who have been called to belong to Christ Jesus. Now, you've been reading the book, The Purpose Driven life, what on earth am I here for? In, your, in the hundred different small groups that we have, beyond that, uh, you're reading this stuff. Rick Warren has all of these reasons in his sermons online as to why you should belong. And I just want to highlight the top three today. Just the three major reasons why you want to belong to the family of God. Number one, it's this. In God's family, write this down, I learn my true identity. I learn my true identity in God's family. Because we're also concerned about uh, our image and our identification, what other people see when they see us. I mean, you all wear clothing with logos on them and brands on them. We wear those, right? And think about how crazy that is. We buy the article of clothing with their logo. We're paying them to wear their advertising. Why aren't they paying us? But that's what we do. We, we wear those logos and their brands because it identifies us. It, it makes us, uh, you know, cool. Uh, we, we want things that say Apple or we want to wear Nike or Vans or as my daughter's favorite place, you know, Forever 21. Well, I have a new idea. I want it to be Forever 39 and I just want to wear that and I'll just stay there. I'll be happy with that. 
But why do we wear that stuff, right? Because we want to be included in something that's seen as acceptable or it's, it's, it's good enough. It, it, it's it's, it's uh, acceptable in our culture. But listen, you're, you're not defined by, that, by things or by what you wear. You're actually defined by your relationships. Your relationships are your identity. So as Tanya said a moment ago, I'm a mom and a grandmother. Well, I'm a son. I'm a grandson. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I am a, a pastor. I'm an employer. I, I, I'm a teammate. I'm a small group member. I'm a friend. All of these relationships uh, define me as I relate to other people. The problem is, is when you have no connection or when the connections have been broken, or when things have turned for the worst, or families change. I mean, families are temporary, right? Even the closest people to you. Children grow up, and people move away, and divorce happens. I mean, gosh, everybody knows in a divorce, when that happens, the the obvious question that you're asking after that, anybody who's gone through that pain is, okay, who am I now? Who am I now? And if you've been married to someone for a long period of time, and they pass away, well, who am I now? Or if you've had this job that defined you, this is who I am as a man, and that goes away, who am I now? What if you never had close relationships growing up? What if the family was non-existent? You don't know who your mother or father were. So that's why God says, regardless of whatever's happened, who's moved away, who's gone, who's left, what you what you don't have, you are now members of God's family and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. That you are called to be a part of something and you will never be excluded again. That's the vision of God. Now Paul spends the rest of his life trying to say that's our position That's our identity. Now he tries to figure that out as he writes to the culture because culture is so far below what God had in mind. And every culture comes to the place where we're a little bit further than the generation that was before, but we still got a long way to go. But God calls us to say, your identity is in something greater than just what the world defines. The world only defines identity by externals. By what you look like, the color of your skin, what your nationality is. Are you blonde or are you a brunette? Do you have, are you short or are you tall? Are you white or black, Latino or Asian? Are you a Republican or a Democrat? And all of those things identify you, but they don't last. You see, your spiritual family will outlast your physical family. In fact, you come to realize that God only used our families of origin to bring us into this world so he could call us into the family that he created the whole thing for. God was creating a spiritual family and he wanted us in it. God is looking at you through a different lens. He's looking at your soul. He's looking at the intrinsic you. And he's saying, this is what I want you to get, that underneath all of the outside, there is a you that one day we'll come to this realization, I am a child of God. I am his child. So if you're a child of God, then you're my sister, and you're my brother, and we are in the family together, and all of a sudden, all those externals don't even matter, that we are part of the family. We are connected. And God's saying, I wish you would all get that, that there is something greater to define us than just the externals, that, that, that you need to belong to this thing I call the church because this is where I'm going to train you to be culturally competent. This is where I'm going to teach you how to love. This is going to, the church of Jesus is the laboratory of love. 
because you, can't, you can learn all about God by yourself. And you can learn all about even God's love by yourself, but you can't learn how to love by yourself. You have to be with some other people with that, that, that there is some connection that's so deeper that, that it's, it's wide enough to include all, that it's long enough to stay connected, that it's deep enough to walk into any situation and high luck to overlook all the faults and still stay there so that you can experience God's love the way it was intended. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is a better idea. So God's saying, I want you to learn how to experience his love. And despite all these externals that, that, that separate us from one another, you know what really separates us from God and each other? It's our guilt and shame because we don't think we measure up. We talked about this last week that if we ever got our identity right in Christ, who we were, we would not live so ashamed. We would feel a lot more accepted. Look at this verse in Hebrews chapter 2 where we see what God really had in mind. Check this out. Jesus, look at this, and the people he makes holy all belong to the same family. That's why he's not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. That's powerful. Jesus isn't ashamed to call me his brother, and he knows everything about me. He's not ashamed to call you his sister, and he knows everything about you. Because, you see, your sin doesn't define who you are. It's your relationship to him. You understand? It's your relationship as a child of God that's the defining, that defines a relationship. So I am a child of God that struggles with sin, but the sin doesn't define me. I can still have this incredible relationship with him, and he says, because you're my child, I'm not ashamed to call you my brother and sister. So how this plays out, we have one of the elders of our church. His name is Fred Knight. I got to know him years ago. And about 12 years ago, Fred decided, my life needs to change. And I need to do something about it. And he went to AA. And he needed to break free from addiction to alcohol. And AA is such a marvelous program with all of its sequential steps of how to break free, all based on the Bible. But Fred kept saying every week, and over the years, he would say, hi, I'm Fred, and I'm an alcoholic. That's how he'd introduce himself. Hi, I'm Fred, and I'm an alcoholic. Well, a few years ago, Fred realized, I'm going to be saying this the rest of my life, and I refuse to be defined by my sin. And so today in our Christian recovery program here at Heartland, when you come together, you're going to hear a different uh, introduction. It's going to be, hi, I'm Fred Knight. I am a child of God who struggles with alcohol addiction. And that makes all the difference in the world. You see, your sin doesn't define who you are. It's your relationship to him. And once I see that, once I realize I'm a child of God like that, and you're a child, race doesn't matter, economic class doesn't matter, uh, your gender doesn't matter, all of a sudden I realize we are one in the body of Christ together in the family of Jesus. This is a powerful idea. So I find my identity in the family of God. Now, just like uh, a gang may have a special tattoo that identifies the members of the gang or Scottish families will have a certain kind of plaid that identifies this is the clan, this is the family, or maybe a fraternity or a sorority will have a particular crest that says this is, this is our symbol. Well, there's a symbol, there's an identifier for people in the family of God, and it's called baptism. Baptism is an incredible coming out moment where you say publicly in front of everybody, by this act, I declare, he is my Lord and my Savior. I'm a child of God, and all of you are my brothers and sisters. I identify with you as my brothers and sisters, and I want the whole world to know. World, look at me. I'm a child of God. These are my brothers and sisters. That's why baptism is more than just a ritual that happens when you're a child that your parents gave, which is a good thing, and it set the stage, but for you now to come up and to say, I identify with Jesus, and I identify with this new culture. I'm a child of God. You're my brothers. You're my sisters. It's like a coming out day. It's a day 
of celebration, and it's, it'll change your life forever, and it includes you in the family of God. If you haven't been baptized, you need to be baptized. You need to stand up and identify and say, I want to belong. Respond to God's call to belong to his family. And you can do that right after our service today and any Sunday. We would love to do that. We want you to belong. So that's the first purpose. You know, uh, when Peter preached this on the first day of the church, it said that 3,000 people, I think it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it says 3,000 people heard and believed and they were baptized that very day. And they became a part of the family of God. Now, the second reason why you want to belong to God's family is that it's in the family of God that you find your unique value. That's where you find where you fit. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, we read it a moment ago, where it says you're a member of God's very own family. And then he goes on to say this. Together, we are his house. He's building us into a family built on the foundation of those who went before, the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone being Jesus himself. Now, look at this part. We are carefully joined together in him. He's fitting us together perfectly, one life at a time, building us into his family, making us into something that's bigger than any one of us individually. He's making us what he calls a a temple, a, a habitation, a place where his Holy Spirit can come and now empower all of us to do something that none of us could do individually. Even Gentiles, even outsiders are being made part of this family where God's spirit can live. Can you imagine? That's what God's up to here among us. He's fitting us all together regardless of of nationality, of ethnicity, of denomination, of church background, of of age. You know, uh, it doesn't matter whether you're, you're old or young. God's fitting this all together. And he's creating something where his spirit can rest so that from together we can be his people to transform the world. That's an amazing thing. When I was a kid, I had all of these Legos, thousands of them. You know what a Lego is? It's a little piece of plastic. <laughs> and they, they connect together. When, when they're not connected, I mean, when they're connected, you can build something great. When they're not connected, it's just a mess. It's just a big pile of plastic. And, and you're God's Lego. You know, God, ha- God has created you to fit. And outside of being connected, outside of, of finding your, your part in the building that he's creating, you're just a mess. You're just a disconnected part. And God's saying, I want you to connect so that you will find your, va- your value. And that's why every month for the last 13 years, I've taught this class, uh, Class 101, the, the, the basics, why we are a family, how you can belong, what's important, how you can connect and be a member. And all you have to do today is just fill out this little I want to belong card, put it in the box on your way out to let us know you'll come back today at three o'clock, and I would love to help you connect to this family. I hope you'll do that today or write on it. I can't come today, but I want to come the next time and we'll contact you. But, but the reason I do this is because I know what the biggest problem in America is. It's not the economy. Believe me when I tell you, as a pastor that talks to hundreds and hundreds of people, the number one epidemic in our country today is loneliness. That people feel like, I don't belong, I don't connect, nobody knows me. And here we are in a day and age where we have more technology to connect us, more little devices to communicate, and we still feel more alone than ever. Just ask any teenager or any young person who's on it all the time and yet still feels, I don't know if anybody cares about me. Now, let me just talk to the teenagers in the room for a second. Look, let me just have a heart-to-heart with you. Listen, this is not the perfect church. There's not perfect people here. 
But I'll tell you this, there are people here that, that care about you and love you. And we will walk with you. We remember what it's like to be in the teenage years. And we want you to belong. And we want you to be part of our church. And you, you matter. In fact, you have gifts that are just as important um, than any adult in the room. And you have an insight and you have ability and gifts that need to be expressed. And we want to help you find that place to make a difference. Because you matter to God. You matter to us. And all of you adults need to realize that God didn't call you just for you. He wants you to pour into the lives of our children and of the next generation coming up because he's fitting us together and he's building us into something that's greater than just ourselves. That's why Paul wrote to the Romans church. He said, I'm building you together. Look what he says. Just as there are many parts to our bodies, so it is with Christ's body. We're all parts of it and each one of us is needed to make it complete. We have different work to do. But we belong to each other, and each of us needs the other. You see, you have a different particular set of skills and experiences and passions than anybody else in the room, but God wants you to fit perfectly, and together he's going to make something great. He doesn't, he doesn't want you to be isolated in a disconnected part that dies and shrivels up, but he wants you to be connected. Now, when you are connected, you're going to find your fit. You're going to find your niche. You're going to find your, your meaning, your value. Take a look at this story from Angie Miles, a young woman who came to this church a few years ago, completely broken. But look at the difference Christ has made in her life. Well, hi, my name is Angie Miles. I've been coming to Heartland Church for about three and a half years now. I had been married for seven years and suddenly found myself divorced. The first Sunday that I came, I was scared to death. I was a single mom of a two-year-old and a five-year-old boy. I just wondered um, if I was gonna fit in, if, um, if I would be accepted, and I was. I was so pleasantly surprised that there was just love from the minute I walked in the door. Lots of smiles, lots of hugs, I was crying. Um, but it felt right. I felt like I was supposed to be here and it felt like home. It was exactly what I needed. Everything that I heard was pointing me towards service and that I needed to get involved and I needed to serve. I was somewhat reluctant, um, not because I didn't want to serve, but because I was very greedy of my time with my children. I had gone from being able to be with them almost all the time to having to share my time with their other parent and that was really, really, really hard for me. And they gave me Angie Dewey's name and phone number. So I called her and I said, hey, I want to serve once a month. And what I had always wanted to be all through life was a kindergarten teacher. When I came to Heartland and all these pieces of life were clicking together, when I called Angie Dewey, she said, you know what we need the most is a kindergarten teacher. I have taught kindergarten at the 11 o'clock service for over three years now, every single week. And suddenly, those kids became as important to me as my kids. That's when I really started to get plugged in at Heartland, when I made the decision to be a part of the family. So thinking back to the first Sunday I came to Heartland Church three and a half years ago, I was at an all-time low, and God changed me. He transformed my heart. It wasn't without work. I had to make choices to be more devoted to my Bible, to serve, to love, to tithe, to get connected. Um, but I look at where I am now. I'm getting married in a few weeks at Heartland to a man that I met at Heartland in the front lobby. We're a family of four, but we belong to a much bigger family. We're part of God's family and we're part of Heartland family. And when I need a friend, I know who to call. It's my best friends, it's my group members, it's the people that I do life with at Heartland.
Isn't that a wonderful story? You find your value, your fit, you find care and support and love when you get connected. Now write this down. I, I want you just to get this truth, and you can ponder it later, disagree with me, but I'm telling you this. You can't fulfill God's purpose for your life by yourself. You will never fulfill the purpose God has for you by yourself. And so let me give you the third thing that goes right with this, that connects, the, that God will give you, help you figure out your identity, he'll give you your value, and the third thing is you will find care, support, and protection when you belong to the family. When I'm connected, suddenly I'm not on my own anymore. Suddenly I don't have to go through life alone. I can have other people looking out for me. I have people that care about me, that support me. There's safety and there's security in being part of a family. Everybody just intuitively knows that to to be a child that is part of a family, that child is going to be more secure, more confident, uh, less worrying, uh, more uh, peaceful because they know that they're that there's a, a, a mom or a, there's a dad, that they're not an orphan, that they're not alone. You see, there's security that comes when there's a covering, when there's shelter, when there's protection, which is so important because you're going to be beat up in life from time to time. Your job's going to beat you up. There's going to be times when you go through marriage situations or crises in the family that will pull you apart. There's going to be times when you're trying to beat some personal temptation that you can't do by yourself. There will be times when you're trying to just survive a a severe illness or maybe some other crisis that comes your way. In those moments in life, who is going to be there for you? You need some people that are going to come around you that walk into your life when everybody else walks out. I'm telling you that you're going to need somebody that you're going to have to rely on and, and receive their love and their care and their support. Because in those moments of life, it's not enough to just know God cares. I have to know that God's people care about me. What you need in life are people who will step up and who will block and who will pray and who will defend and who will love you unconditionally. Now, 58 times in the Bible, in the New Testament, it says, love one another, pray for one another, serve one another, help one another, lift each other up, um, support one another, uh, greet one another, be hospitable to one another. Literally, be a hospital to somebody, be a sanctuary, be a safe place for someone. And the only place that you can really do that is when you're connected in a small group. Again, church is not a place that you go. You don't connect in rows. You connect around tables. Jesus transformed the world by connecting 12 men around a table. He transformed a little with public teaching. But what he really transformed us with were the people that he invested in, and they turned the world upside down. God still is changing and transforming people's lives around tables. And there's over 100 different opportunities to get connected here at Heartland Church, and everybody needs to be a part of a small group. Because the Bible says this, it's one of the commands, share each other's troubles and problems. You see, if you don't invest in this, how will you ever be expected to receive? If you've never shared in the trouble or problem of somebody else, how are you ever going to have people there? I mean, who are the three or four people that you're there for and who are there for you? Who are your go-to people in the body of Christ where you say, you know what, I got their backs and they've got mine? He says, share each other's problems and troubles. And in this way, like when you share those things with them, you obey the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Love your neighbor as yourself. And so in this way, when you share, when you connect, I mean, someone walks into your group and they just say, it's been a, a horrible week. And you listen 
the ministry of listening, or just let me pray for you, or an encouraging word, or a a, a caring touch, or that perfect act of service later in the week that just lets somebody know that I have people that are on my side. God loves me and he cares for me and I'm experiencing the love of God. And it's coming from people I would never expect. People different color than me, people of different backgrounds than me, people that are different, uh, people who are poorer than me, who are giving to me. I mean, all kinds of ways that God is blowing your mind with his incredible love. Well, you need that and you need to give into that. 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Encourage, encourage one another and give each other strength. So who is looking out for you and who are you looking out for? Now, you don't have to do this. I mean, it's, it's not going to keep you out of heaven. But why would you want to not connect? I mean, this is a call to belong, so you don't have to respond. But why would you not want to? Why would you not want to respond when God says, I'll help you figure out your identity I'll help you figure out your unique fit and your value, and I'll put people in your life that will care for you, that will support you, that will protect you, and you can do the same for them. Why wouldn't you want that? You say, well, I've had a bad experience. That's true. And the church is filled with imperfect people and people who have done you wrong. And I get that, but you still weren't designed to go alone. And at some point in your life, you've got to trust again and reach out and find the people and get connected. Because I'll tell you what, to go through life alone is to make yourself easy prey. Easy prey. The Bible says the enemy is like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And he is like a lion that is, that is uh, he's out to steal and to kill and to destroy. So you isolate yourself. You don't have anybody. He's going to tear you up. So you can go through life alone if you want, or you can get connected where you find safety, security, and protection. Watch this and see if you don't see my point. Guys, you cannot believe what's going on here. There's a big barrier between lions, crocodiles, and buffaloes. Look at them all. Whoa. He swatted at him and kicked at him. He's kicking at him. Look. He's kicking at him. Where'd he go in the water? 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's trying to get away. It's standing up. Gee, they chased him away. Isn't that awesome? That big one was like the pastor saying, come on, let's go get him. That's me right there. Let's take your hands off my family, right? I love you like that. And you are a member of God's own family, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. What on earth are you waiting for? I know this is difficult, and I know some of you just resist the idea, but let me tell you, like a kindergartner on the first day of school, this is uncomfortably non-optional. <laughs> this is obedience beyond your comfort zone. Martin Luther King was the one who said it so well. He, he said it this way. Listen to what Martin Luther King Jr. said. We must learn to live together as brothers or perish together as fools. We've got to learn how to connect at a much deeper level and love one another or we'll just perish together as fools. And here's the thing. Many of you are, are uh, I want to talk to two different people. Uh, the, the, the people who say, well, I come, I attend, but I don't really belong. I'm not connected. Listen, I know that some of you are, are single. Uh, you're living single adults. You live by yourself. Or maybe some of you, your families, you live far from your extended family. There's nobody around but just you. Or maybe you don't have that supportive Christian family that's there to lift you up. You're not in a marriage that supports your desire to grow as a Christian. Well, listen, we are here for you. We want you. We want to be your family. We want you to be part of the family of God. I, I want to connect you, and we want to be here for you. No matter what you go through, some of you have struggled your whole life trying to find where do I fit, where do I connect, where do I belong. Well, here is the place, and we're here for you. You can be baptized, and you can just, you know, take that uncomfortable but necessary first step where you say, you know what, I've decided to follow Jesus, and I've decided to identify with all the other Christians. I'm part of the family. You can do that right after the service today. You can put that card in to, to, to that box on the way out, and you can say, Darren, I'm coming today. I'm coming to Heartland 101 to be a member of this family, you can get into a small group. It's still not too late to do that. And there is a hundred, even more than a hundred groups from Zionsville to Greenwood, from Plainfield to Anderson, all over our city. There is a way for you to get connected. So why don't you do that? And then for those of you who are, you're baptized, you're a member of this family, and you're, you're in a small group, could I just say something to you? Will you fall in love with the church again? Will you fall in love with this great, brilliant idea that God created that regardless of, of any distinction or color or background or anything, this is the bride of Christ. This is the church that Jesus died for. It's the greatest idea ever, and it's through the church that God is transforming lives, healing marriages, setting people free, changing our culture, and this is something worth being a part of. Fall in love with the church again. Do you receive this today? This is why Paul would say, God, glory to God now in the church and in Christ Jesus both now and forever. Do you receive it this morning?
Let me pray for you. Bow your heads for a moment. Let's just say a prayer together as a family. This is a family prayer. Father, we come to you with all of our faults and our weaknesses, the many sins we just acknowledge even in our own family. But you love us. We are your family. We are your church. And we know it's going to be imperfect. And we know it's filled with imperfect people because you're changing us day by day. But you love us. I thank you. I'm thankful that you're not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. So we, may we never be ashamed of your church. This is your family. And you, you died for the church. You love your bride, the church. And may that be our attitude, that we would love our brothers and sisters well. Lord, we're not just friends, we're in the family. We're connected at a deeper level. We are children of the Most High God. And Lord, if we're your children, then we're in the family with one another, and may we live that out. Lord, I pray that when people think of us at this church, they will say, those people, they know how to love each other well. And Father, I pray that you'd make that happen. And for those of you who would just pray this part of the prayer, Jesus, right now, I want to accept your call to belong. I want to accept your call to be loved by you, to belong to your family. I want to follow you. I don't understand it all yet, but, but I want to say yes and to belong. That's me. God, you hear that person saying, that's me right now. So, so reach out to them, forgive them of their sin, uh, make them a new person, and start them on the journey with you. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said together, amen.